Apollo program was designed to get two Americans to the lunar surface and back again to Earth safely. The enormity of this event is something that only history will be able to judge. Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon, landing them there, and bringing them safely back. Nothing like Apollo 11 on Father's Day. It's great to see all of you today. And as we're finishing up our man challenge, I just want to thank all the men that participated in it. If you didn't get here in time to do so, we do it again in the second service. So you could do it right at the beginning as well. Um, and I just want to, to all the men that competed, I understand the, all the hard work that you did, the, the training that went into this. We cannot stress it enough that the men sitting around you just for a year, just put all this work into being really good at this man's challenge. So what we're going to do, we're going to announce from our accounting firm of uh, uh, Dickerson and Harris. <laughs> uh, we have come up with our two winners. Thank you, Chris. And uh, our two playoff champions are Philip. I'm trying to read the last name. Herdy? Herdy? Hardy, Philip Hardy, sorry, Philip, I'm so sorry. Uh, come on up, you're going to be playing off. Uh, he's our, our Thor, our Thor lookalike, if you'll come up on the stairs there. And he will be playing against a perennial great, some would say the goat of man challenge, Roy Duncan. Roy Duncan, come on up. The greatest of all time. Gentlemen. You're each going to get three throws for the trophy. All right, so we'll uh, you just get three throws, and then I will deliver the bags to him, to Roy. And all right, there we go, Philip. That's a good line. Let's do that. Here we go, Philip, with the big toss. Let's see what kind of points it got. Oh, nothing there, nothing there. There's a lot of pressure up here on the stage. What? All right, there we go. And then another toss. Whoa! <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad I don't have Roy mic'd because there could have been some words. <laughs> Roy, no pressure. I tell you what, when I handed it to him, I thought I felt a little sweatiness. I'm not sure, but uh, Roy, let's go. Here we are. Oh, whoa, that's okay. Philip did that. He did not do that. <laughs> hey, let's give a, come on over here, champions. Here's a gift certificate. Uh, uh, Roy, Roy, we don't make losers here at Crosstown. We uh, remember you're a champion, and that's your uh, gift card to to Walmart. But our trophy winner, with our exclusive trophy, uh, Philip. Hold on, am I family getting pictures? No. 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 Okay. There we go. <laughs> Thanks very much, man. <laughs> I mean, that, that would have been that. That was awesome. Um,
I tried to rig it so I could win, but it just, there was just no way to do that. So if you didn't get into it this time, stay around afterwards, and we'll, we'll do it again in this next coming um, uh, service. Also, I want to remind you, we had a great movie night. We had grass out. We were, had popcorn, and it really was a great time. I, we thought it was kind of funny because um, we rolled the grass up over there, and in our culture, a church that rolls grass, it could be a whole different way of uh, presenting church. So... Uh, so, we ha- I, I met a woman visiting, for, uh, living here from Colorado, and had just moved here, and I warned her that if, that if she tries to buy a bag of weed, it is a misdemeanor in the, in the city of Charleston. So, just be very careful about that. Well, we are glad that you're here. Family Fun Day is at the end of the month. We do one service, but we have uh, bouncy castles, food trucks. It's really a great time. It starts at 9.15. Um, we'll be beginning a new ser- series next week called Catching Your Second Wind. But we've been continuing and we're kind of finishing up with our uprising series. And we've been using the 50th anniversary of Apollo as our, our backdrop. Um, because Apollo's signified the breaking through of boundaries that we lived with, that we thought about the moon, what we thought about the limits of humanity. And then as a result of the Apollo program, we saw a breakthrough in that when Christ rose from the dead, he didn't just rise from the dead to prove that he could do it, but he wanted to begin to challenge us to break through the boundaries and the limitations of what it is to be a human, that through the power of his Holy Spirit that we can have an uprising and that we can experience uh, change in his kingdom into our life. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the uprising of being a father. Now, I'm going to talk about principles that could easily apply to a mother. So if, if you're a woman here today or a mother here today, let me encourage you, don't just check out because I'm talking about men or don't get angry because I'm talking about men and the, and the importance of men. Um, I am doing a little podcast. Sometimes I have some thoughts that may be a little bit too radical for a Sunday morning experience, um, or maybe I, I kind of deal with a cultural issue and and one of these issues about men being men and women being women, and some of the principles that I'm going to talk about um, can be in both mo- a mom or a dad's life. But there are some outfits, just like what we're wearing today, that, that look different. That when, when Susan wears an outfit, it looks a certain way on her. Now, if I was to wear the exact same outfit, I don't think I pull that outfit off as good as my wife does. And so in the little podcast that you'll be able to access through our app, there'll be about a 10-minute conversation on this particular issue about understanding gender, gender roles, and things like that, things that we're kind of up in conversation about in our society right now. And maybe it'll give you a little some thoughts about as you move forward and you teach your children about these concepts. But um, when we're talking about dads and looking good in an outfit, it's just sometimes when, when a dad does something that it looks amazing on a dad. Yes, somebody else could have done it. Yes, uh, a mom could have done it. But it just looked beautiful or, or full of strength when a dad does it. The outfit looks different on a man. I want to show you an example of something that looks beautiful, particularly because it's a father. Let's watch. Okay. They need to work on that, right? Yes. Yes, okay. 
Did you understand it though? Yeah. No. Okay. Alright. <laughs> oh no. Not not this one. This is this is the grand finale of this. Okay, the last? Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're gonna do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Don't break that again. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like go somewhere else with that, but don't break it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. Then it was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do that here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Really? I thought the same thing. <laughs> we think a lot alike, huh? Right. It, okay, now we, seriously, anybody could have done that, but didn't it have a different element because that outfit of beauty was being worn by a man? I mean, there was something about that being worn, even not just by a man, but being worn by a father having a conversation. And I don't think there's a woman or a mother in this, this auditorium that wouldn't want that element in their lives for their children. So we're talking about when men rise up, that there is a beauty and a strength that comes into the life of a family. That beauty is not masculine, or is it just feminine? So that when our children experience beauty and strength in each gender, we wear it differently. Instead of just saying the mom wears beauty and the man wears strength. That's where we got messed up for decades. But we'll have more of that conversation in the, in the podcast. But as I was looking at the astronauts of Apollo uh, 11 and also the whole mission that they, they did over these 10 years, I, I saw that some of the astronauts represented different kinds of dads or better yet, different aspects of being a father. There was Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon, and he was a leader, and he was a visionary. He was not just an astronaut. He actually spoke into the vision of the whole NASA program. He was very intelligent, very visional, and he actually was part of designing the whole Apollo mission. He was the commander of the mission. Then there was Buzz Aldrin. Buzz Aldrin was the support astronaut. He was the lunar module pilot. He was the team player, the guy that was always by Neil's side, that he, he was the one that came along and provided support. Then the one that most people don't know about is Michael Collins. Michael Collins was the recovery astronaut. He was the command module pilot as the lunar module descended onto the moon. He was the one that circled around and waited to recover them when the mission was over on the moon and then to begin the process of, of bringing them back. And then there was another astronaut that we need to talk about, and that was Jim Lovell. And he is probably the greatest astronaut in the history of mankind. 
Most of you are aware of the Apollo 13 movie um, played by Tom Hanks. But the Apollo 13 mission was supposed to land on the moon. Jim Lovell had more time in space than any other human being. And then at, on, on their way to the moon, they had an explosion in the service module right that attaches to the command module. And as a result, the whole mission was um, in peril. And it was possible that all three men were going to die up there. It was his leadership that was able to bring them all home. He's the one that, if you have trouble, I'll get you home. He was the one that coined the phrase, Houston, we have a problem. And he was the commander, and he was the con contingency astronaut. And I think just like a father, Armstrong led the way, Aldrin was by your side, Collins was always there, and Lovell helped when things got wrong. And I think those are some of the aspects of what it is to be a, a, a father, to bring an uprising to your family. And as a dad, it's your call to lead the way. Kids are not born with visions for their lives. It's imparted to them. And I remember growing up when my father had a, had a, a, a I don't know, a, a, I guess they call it a murder, a ravens, or a, a group of them are called a murder or a gackle or whatever we had of kids. We had, there was nine children. So I think my father thought, and he was a World War II guy, and they really, you know, were just more about saving the world than maybe the, the tender leader in the family. I think he thought we were all going to find our vision. I think he thought that kids were born and they kind of grew up with this implanted destiny in them, and, and they were supposed to figure it out. But what we've learned is that kids are not born with vision for their lives. It's imparted to them. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And as we look at our society, and as we look at young people today, um, we, we, we sometimes complain that there's something wrong with kids. And I'm here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with kids uh, in America today. Um, God is not making a different kind of human being on this planet. That if we see any variation from young people discovering what their God calling is and what their vision is for a life, it is because their dad doesn't understand the responsibility of leading the way, casting a vision. Helping a child discover what their gift set are, their passions are, and then help them to articulate a manifesto and to see that manifesto become a reality. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. This is not just mom's job. This is not the government's job. I mean, we can all get angry about public school conditions and, and things need to be improved. We can all uh, get uh, angry, and if, if you're maybe more on the more conservative side about some of the liberal uh, things that are being taught in our, our schools, the reason why that's happening is because of the absence of vision casting. Is that the schools are less like, well, if you're not going to cast a vision, then, then we'll cast a vision. And what we're told is that... If, an uprising of a father is when he begins to help a child discover and implement a vision for their lives, even if you have a gackle of them, even if you have a herd of kids, to take that time to begin to train up a child in the way that they should go, 
And the scripture says that they will not depart from it. Another thing of a dad that comes to us from the Buzz Aldrin example is that an uprising as a father is to stay by their side. Stay involved. Stay connected. Support their lives. Ecclesiastics 4.9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But one person who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I mean, what an incredible picture of a father coming alongside as the greatest fan of their young child. Like the father we saw in the video. You know, speaking the language of your child instead of them trying to figure out what your language is. Staying alongside of them throughout their lives. Then the other thing represented by Michael Collins was always be there. And I don't mean just at the ball game, because I know a lot of us guys, you know, when our kids are into sports or the band or whatever it is that they're expressing themselves, we may go to these events, and that's absolutely awesome. One of the most crushing moments of my life, I think, was um, I was a, a really good runner. It's, I can't even see it anymore in my physical appearance, but I was a really good runner in high school. I weighed 127 pounds, had a 21-inch and, and, and I ran uh, a 9.45 two-mile. And so I was competing for the state championship in Massachusetts and came in second behind a guy named Alberto Salazar who ended up, and he lapped me because he, he went on to do the Olympics, and he was amazing. He ran it, if you're a runner, he ran an 8.54 two-mile in high school. Uh, so it was kind of like, man, this sucks. You know, there's just no way I'm going to beat this guy. But here's what I remember. I remember coming home with my second place trophy and throwing it on the table because Pop said, so how'd the race go? And it's like, what do you care? And then I said, well, I came in second. Well, what would it have taken for you to come in first? And I was like, I went on a 40-year binge hating that man almost to the rest of his life. So let me encourage you as dads, always be there. Don't be there if they're just if they're winners or if they're good at it. Don't just be there if they're playing the sport you played in high school. Be there if they become artists or, or they're into cooking or if whatever they're into. Be there for their lives. But also be there mentally. Be in their lives. That's very important. Be in their lives. A lot of us as dads, we bring our kids to accompany us while we're doing our lives. Um, one of the ways that I implemented this in my own personal life was music. I was very much interested in what my girls listened to. I had to be because, you know, when you signed up for iTunes, whatever they bought, because I monitored everything, but I bought them the device, but it went under my Apple ID. So I got to hear who they, you know, who they were listening to and if they were buying the explicit version of the song or the regular version of the song. And when I was growing up, you know, Pop would, and I love my dad. My dad's with the Lord, and he finished strong, and he finished loving, and he finished with Jesus. He's a hero to me, the way that he finished. And, and guys, can I tell you how you started? Don't use that as an indicator. If you've been screwing up all the way up to this point, that's okay. Um, 
I'm here to tell you that when my dad finally gave his life to Christ and started getting it right, I was 50 years old. And I wept when he died and miss him every single day. In just 10 years with Christ uh, and living uh, the way that God called them to live, all the grievances of the past, the abuse, all that stuff was just washed away. So it's not over for you yet. Don't give it up. And can I just add one more thing? Maybe your dad is the bozo and, and, and you've given up on him. But as long as he's, he's got breath, can I ask you to consider just give him each day just a little bit more grace to offer him the potential to change if he takes it or not. That's, that's between him and God. But every day, offer your dad the opportunity to become something different than he is. But, but when I got with my kids, they'd download these songs and they would listen to uh, like uh, PDD and Flo Rida. Um, and it was funny. I would, it just wasn't my music. I mean, it would, but I would listen to it and, and, and I would pull up at school to pick them up from school and I'd uh, so, oh, yeah, so the, the fool. Yeah, there was, there was, there was just some rap song that I would pull up with it way loud, pulling up to this Christian school with the windows down, and it'd be like, "No, I listen to your music. If you're gonna buy it on my iTunes account, I'm listening to your music." And I always, I never made fun of them for the music. I. I don't mean to be throwing stuff out like this, but what a lot of times dads do is we see our kids doing something over there and we shout them to come to where you are. Can I encourage you, dad, if your kids are on another bank of the river, don't shout to them, swim to them, find out what they're into, and then help them swim back if you find out that they need to swim back. So always be with them be with them in mind be with them about what their vision is their disappointments their breakups i used to tell the guys that my daughters would date i'd, I'd tell them two things one um you're going to have an option i'm either going to bag you or mulch you okay i'm gonna i'm gonna it was just like a lawnmower if you do my daughter wrong i'll either put your body in a bag or i'm gonna mulch your body if you guys ever wondered why i always lived by tidal creeks yes you're an outgoing tide, is what you are, son. But one of the things I also told my, uh, the young guys that my daughters dated would be, and, I, and it wasn't a threatening thing, it was I put my arm around, I said, listen, if you want to break up with my daughter, that's totally fine. Um, can you do me a favor, send me a text message to let me know that I'm going home to a young lady in crisis. I, I would like the heads up. You're more than welcome to break, you do not have to date my daughter. But if you cheat on her, or if you hit her, I'll bag you or I'll mulch you. It'll be the, you know, um, and so I always stayed involved with the life of my children. Um, I have done a lot of things wrong. And guys, I don't have a bunch of money in the bank. And um, I'm going to try to work until I drop. But one thing that I decided I was not going to fail at, it was with my children. Make it the most important thing you ever do. And don't drive them away from you. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not aggravate your children. There's no reason to tick them off all the time. It's no reason to be a smart but, you know, with your kids. We know you're smarter than them. There's no reason they have to be belittled. 
Um, because otherwise, they, be, they become discouraged. They lose vision for their lives. Then the fourth astronaut, Jim Lovell, for fathers is help when things go wrong. Teach and give forgiveness. Model redemption over perfection. See, that was really what my mom did well. My mom always told me, Paul, whatever you do wrong, just be honest with God. He'll forgive you. And, he'll, and so mom always brought the redemption element. Pop brought the perfection story. And I think that maybe they worked it out as a team, but it really didn't happen. I would have rather have seen my father, how he survived failure, if he was honest about his failure with us, and then watch how he went through the process of obtaining forgiveness, repenting, how he interacted with God, and then how he was able to move on instead of perfection. One of the best and greatest stories ever told in the Bible is the story of the father in Luke 15. And I'll, I'll read it to you. It's the only kind of big scripture I'm going to read today, and, and we're almost finished. But I just want you to hear this story. One is an example of what dads are called to be an uprising of. But also I wanted to speak to you about what your heavenly father thinks about you and how he deals with you. That might have gotten lost because if fathers are supposed to model what it, the Heavenly Father is like, a lot of us are having a hard time with God because we had a hard times, hard time with our pops. So I want you to listen to this, not only as an example of a father, but also the gift of a Heavenly Father to you because Jesus said that the kingdom was just like this. Jesus said there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give the share of property that is coming to me. And the father divided his property between his two sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Remember, please, this is Jesus telling the story, telling a crowd what the heavenly father is, is like. And this is the story. So he continues. So the young man went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Now, even though this young man doesn't fully understand the level of forgiveness that his dad will give him, he does know he can tell his dad he screwed up. Are you that kind of dad? I mean, are you the kind of dad that I remember one of my daughter's um, was drinking too much and uh, called me and it was like a, like 1 o'clock in the morning and I could tell because they started off, hey, pops. And I'm like, okay. And I actually started giggling when I heard that. Uh, and it's like I'm a pastor, but I'm a, I'm a dad before I'm a pastor. So let me just say it. It is so much more important to be a dad than it is to be a pastor. 
Uh, but so I remember she's like, hey, pops, what you doing? And I'm like, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. What do you think I'm doing? But that's not how I answered. I said, hey, girl, sounds like you're having fun. She's like, yeah, you know that firefly, that liquor, that bourbon thing? I said, yes, that's, that's, it's really sweet, isn't it? It's a double-edged sword. And she goes, yeah, Dad, I think I'm going to need you to come pick me up. And I'm like, I'm going to say it. Then I said, Morgan. <laughs> I think everybody who knows Morgan knows it's Morgan, <laughs> okay? I said, Morgan, can I tell you something right now? She's what, what, what pops? I'm like, I am so proud of you right now. She says, thank you, Dad. And I said, I am so proud that one that you called me, and I will be right there. So make sure you pulled over. And, and um, I said, where are you at? And she says, I'm parking in the Motel 6. Now, as a dad, that really started to concern me, okay? <laughs> but apparently that's as far as she could get, and that's where she pulled over. So I was like, okay, some of this is between her and Jesus. I just want to get her home safe. Um, and... I remember it. we left her car there, I got her home, didn't give her a lecture, on the way home just told her, hey, I hope you had fun, and all this other stuff, got up the following morning, woke her up early, I felt there needed to be a little penalty involved with this, you're getting up early, and then as we drove to get to the car, it was like, well, what did we learn on this? I mean, I'm glad you had fun, was, what are some of the things that we learned that, you know, hey, this is a good one-time, two-time, three-time experience, but um, maybe this doesn't need to be our regular habit in life. And she's like, yeah, I know, Dad. And, 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 uh, and I said, but I'm really proud of you. Uh, to try to raise a child who doesn't make a mistake is uh, to put an anvil upon their heads. But to help a child through a mistake, that's, that's parenting. So let me encourage you dads, uh, like the prodigal son, make sure that that your dad, that your son and your daughter can call you when they've made a mistake, and that when they've made that phone call, they don't get berated, or that you don't say something to them like, you can come home when you get it right, you know, things that we probably heard when we were younger. But this young man, though he didn't understand how good God or how good his father could be, um, he still knew that he could call his dad, and every one of us can contact God anytime. But it's even better than that. So he rose and he came to his father. But while he was still a way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. His dad was waiting for him at the end of the road. Instead of waiting in his den, you know, when my son gets home, tell him to wash up, take a shower, and then send him into my room. None of that kind of experience. Here's his dad at the end of the road. And that's the way the Heavenly Father is. But he even goes better than that. He said, when his father saw him, he felt compassion, and he ran, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. And I know a lot of you are sitting here, and it's like, yeah, but aren't you endorsing the lifestyle? I don't, I don't think that's what's going on here. I think it's affirming the value of the person is what's taking place here. And the young man says to his dad, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now remember, he had rehearsed this other part, but make me one of your servants. The father interrupts his concept of fatherhood and says this to his servants. Bring me the best robe, put it on him. Bring me a ring, put it on his hand, and shoes on his feet. Kill the fatted calf 
and let's eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. He was ready to give forgiveness. He didn't issue a bunch of demands. There was no humiliation. No, I told you so. No halfway restoration. He made sure that the restoration was complete, that it was loving, that it was compassionate. I, and I don't mean to walk down man alley with you guys today, but I, my, I remember when my, my dad went fishing with my daughters, and she went fishing, he went fishing with Deanna, and Deanna was just a little pup, about six years of age. And, and Deanna was the one that, that always tested the limits. Like, Dad, you didn't technically say that I wasn't, you said don't touch, but you didn't say I couldn't eat it. So she would be the one, if the cookie was on the table, she would get it with her mouth so that she wouldn't touch it. I mean, that's the, that's the kind of kid that she was. And I told her, I said, when you go fishing with Pop, now do everything he says. He, he's, a, he's a spanker. I mean, uh, he, he's that kind of guy. Now, he was like 80-something years of age. Sure enough, they're coming back in the little boat. They're coming up the creek, and, and there's Deanna with her head all swollen and down in the bow. The, and they come off the thing, and, and she talks to me as we're walking up to the house. And, and she said, Dad, now I know what it's like to be abused like you were. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what happened? She goes, Pop, uh, Grandpa slapped my hand. And I said, okay, all right, well, what happened? Well, something about dipping a cup into the water and drinking it, he told her not to do. But she didn't do that. She just dipped it into the water and pretended she was drinking and didn't understand why she got slapped for that. Um, but the interesting conversation afterwards, and, you know, I was at that point ready to fight my father on this because the thought of him hitting one of my children was just, just couldn't comprehend it. Uh, but I was working a lot out of some of my old things with my pop. But I remember after it was all over, we were sitting there that evening, and I, I asked pop to leave the room, and I said, Pop, uh, I heard you had an incident with Deanna, and, and you popped her on the, the, the wrist. I said, okay, well, I'm cool with that. I said, but have you restored the relationship? And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, have you restored her? Have you gotten her alone and say, listen, I'm sorry, you know, we had to go through that together, and, um, but I want to let you know you're my granddaughter, and I love you, and I'm proud of you, and you're going to be a great woman one day. And I'm telling you, tears appeared in his eyes, and he just told me, I didn't know that. And I'm like, yeah, it's the full cycle. Go the full cycle on this thing. There's nothing wrong with being a parent with rules and with discipline, but what we don't, where we that part where we're not going to be like our dads because they hit us and all this other stuff, it's because we, they didn't go the full cycle on this thing. And so um, I said, no, Pop. And so while we're watching the movie, all of a sudden, Pop, I hear him say, hey, Deanna, can I, can I see you for a second? And they went and they came back. And you should have seen Deanna come back in the room. She walked in the room looking at me the whole time <laughs> with this big old smile on her face. Why? Because like the father from the, the story of the prodigal son, he went through the whole process of restoration in the end of the story. Dads don't halfway the story. 
You know, as I look at all this, I realize that dads are at the very heart of our mission statement as a church. Our mission statement is becoming learners, lovers, leaders in our relationship with Christ in the world around us. That's, it's, that's what a dad is supposed to be, a learner in front of his kids, a lover to his kids, a leader to his kids. So dads, if I can encourage you, keep growing. I, it doesn't matter if you're 85 years old. My father did his best work as a parent at 85. He undid 50 years of bad work as an 85-year-old man in the last 10 to 5 years of his life. Still be a learner. Keep growing. And dads, can I ask you to love their mom or at least be kind to their mom if she's no longer your spouse? Um, you, don't need to be, you don't need to be mean to their mom. If you want to show your kids what a man is, love their mom, or at least be kind to them. And, and if I can just throw this over one other side, moms, um, love their dad. If you want to turn him into a hero, you need to, you need to affirm him as a, as, as a man. But also, if you're not married to him, it's not your job to prove to your kids that their dad's an idiot. Really. You're not the one to deliver that message. If he really is an idiot, he'll prove it really fast. But it's not your job to do that. And then last, dads, model and teach consistency, not perfection. Consistency. If you fail, let them see you repent. If you succeed, let them see how you handle success. But model that in front of them and teach consistency on the good days and the bad days. Dad will be their first teacher, even if he isn't. Dad will be their first teacher even if he isn't. That means, dads, if you decide not to teach, you're still your, your, your child's first teacher. And what you're not teaching will teach them something. It may not be what you want them. But remember, dad, don't let the public school system, it does not want to be their first teacher. Because I, I don't want to villainize public schools or, or Christian schools or whatever kind of schools. They're, they were never supposed to save your children. You are the first teacher in your family. So, in closing, start today. Don't wait until you're perfect. If you have a child that's at least two years of age, they already know you're not perfect. So let's, not, let's just stop pretending. So free yourself from being a perfect dad. My kids can tell you what I've done wrong. They know when I cuss. They know when I watch a movie I shouldn't have watched. They know, you know, they know what goes on wrong with me. But they also see me apologize to their mom. They see me apologize to people in this church. They see me apologize to God. And most of all, they've, they've heard me apologize to them. So dads, don't, that whole idea you got to be a perfect dad, that's, I'm going to say that's from the devil. And, and, and moms, don't take up the devil's work and try to make that man you're married to or the father of your children have to be perfect either. And as we go into a moment of communion and prayer and a time of offering and just this kind of like this gooey moment with God, during this last worship song, 
if you didn't have the advantage of the dad that you needed, God can speak those elements into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I've, I did with my dad. Um, I had to give my dad a break because nobody's dad came into the world and had a perfect example displayed to them. Most of the, the, the quarrels of my father and his parenting, I saw it as something that got lack, missed in his upbringing. I don't think there is a dad in the world that after a perfect upbringing and knowing all the graces and the love of God decided, I'm going to be a bad man. I don't think that creature exists. I think a lot of dads inherit badness from their dads. I think a lot of the short-sightedness of a father might have gotten carried over to them from their father. But we're here now. What do we do? Is that we let God fill up that which was lacking. We allow him to give us the affirmation. And then I remember telling my dad before he died, Pop, I forgive you for not being the father that I think you should have been. And I'm asking you to forgive me for not being the son that you thought I should have been. And I believe that when you and I meet in heaven, when I walk in, you're going to start laughing and I'm going to start laughing. And we're just going to be like, yeah, I forgive you. So let me encourage you today. Allow, if you're a man or a woman here today, if your dad left a hole, uh, don't keep that hole there because of unforgiveness. Allow it, forgive him today, even if he hasn't asked you. Let it be a conversation between you and your heavenly father and allow God to fill up the lack that your father didn't have. Father, we enter into this precious, powerful moment when the greatest truth that has ever been revealed to humans on this planet is that to as many as receive Jesus into our lives, we become the children of God. And that our Father who is in heaven, his name is hallowed. That his kingdom can come, his will can be done on earth in my life just like it is in heaven and that my heavenly father can give me my daily bread that he can lead me away from evil and forgive me all the things that I've done wrong that his love can fill every part of my life so father fill us today as men and women fill us with the voice of heaven the voice of a loving father there's just something about love and beauty and strength that looks different on a father. Speak that into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.